It's said that your real life begins where your comfort zone ends. Well, it's about to get real as we have radically authentic conversations to help you thrive in your personal and professional life while navigating the twists and turns of being human. Buckle up, because this might get uncomfortable. Starts right now with Jason Robel and Whitney Lordson. Jason, I'm going to bring up a memory that you may have forgotten about. Forgotten about or intentionally suppressed? (laughs) Depends on the memory. I would guess that you didn't intentionally suppress this, but you may have. I don't know. Hmm. Well, curiosity. I don't know what curiosity did. It didn't kill the cat. It turned the cat into a, I don't know, a panther. Where did that phrase even come from? Curiosity killed the I mean, I guess it makes sense. Like, well, it's not that there's necessarily harm being done to a cat. Maybe the cat was so curious that it endangered itself and thus ended its life shortly because of its curiosity. I'm assuming that's what that means. I feel like that's really... It's not giving cats their due because I've seen cats pull off some pretty crazy shit and survive. I mean, not just the videos online, but my own where it's like, oh, that was a daring move. Like what? What's the most daring thing you've seen your cats do? I mean, jump from like distances that are like, oh, that's, I don't know. Like there's also a neighbor's cat who, Rafa, the fluffy cat who lives next door. And he's been hanging out in my front yard a lot lately. And there's a giant cactus in my front yard. And there's also like a There's a courtyard where you can jump like through the cactus. And I see him run when I get out the door and jump like through the cactus and somehow emerge unscathed. I don't know. That's a really random example. But you see videos of cats falling from like two, three story windows and surviving. I don't know. I feel like cats are a really resilient bunch of creatures. So be curious, cats. Continue to do your cat thing. I support you. Well, I'm also curious if if anyone listening to this episode remembers or even knew that what I'm about to bring up exists. And I kind of forgot about it until somehow recently it came to surface in my memory again. And this is something that happened about seven years ago, maybe eight, maybe closer. No, I think seven years ago makes sense. 2013, maybe 2012. And that is a YouTube channel that Jason and I had called Bizargonauts. Oh, God. <sighs> I didn't forget about this. Of course, how, how could I forget about it? <laughs> When's the last time you thought about it? Actually, earlier this year, I thought about it. <laughs> Did you look it up? No, if I go to my YouTube channel, the main page on my YouTube channel, which is youtube.com slash Jason Robel. We'll put that in the show notes, including the Bizargonauts channel link to YouTube at wellevator.com. I was on my YouTube channel looking at some metrics and all of the main subscriptions that I'm subscribed to the channels. It compiles them, I think, in a right-hand toolbar when you go to my primary YouTube page. And Bizargonauts is there. I don't often look at it, but I looked over and I remember seeing Bizargonauts. I'm like, oh, we had some fun with that channel. That was the definition of randomness. That was the definition of, I feel like it was you and I, when you and I became friends and then started dating, I I felt like it was almost like you and I having an outlet outside of the wellness and the food and the mindfulness and the eco living, all the stuff that I suppose maybe most people know us for or have known us for in our primary brands. But I think you and I just wanted like a really fun, goofy, comedic, creative outlet. 
Am I right? I mean, I think that was kind of whether we said it or not, I feel like both of us wanted that and needed that, like to let off some steam and not be like, here's another recipe and here's another eco-friendly living tutorial. We just wanted to do fun, wacky, random shit. And I, I, that, that was kind of the genesis of it, wasn't it? For sure. And it's interesting because I think in 2013, you were working on your TV show. Yes. And I think there was also a mentality that we both had back then, which was that there was like a specific style of professionalism. You know what I mean? Do you mean like how one presents oneself on camera in terms of that level of professionalism? Like, oh, this is how I present myself as a YouTube host. And, I, and I'm being goofy and I always do that voice. But do you mean there was almost like a formatic or formulaic rather way of presenting oneself as a, as a camera host? Is that what you mean? I think it's more that... Back then, it felt like people wouldn't be as accepting of you if you showed those silly sides of yourself, if that was not your brand. At least that was kind of my perception. Because otherwise, why wouldn't we have just put these videos on your YouTube channel or my YouTube channel? You know, like, why did they go here? And I think for me, I wouldn't do that because it it went against my brand and my style. And it kind of silly looking back, but back then I, I also used to create a lot of separate YouTube channels for different things. And it was like I was compartmentalizing my audience and I didn't want to like put everything on one YouTube channel because I didn't feel like everyone would accept everything that I did. I imagine that's part of the reason that I created this. And I think it was also putting things up maybe more for ourselves. I I don't really remember exactly if you and I had any intention of other people seeing this. Do you? I don't think so. From what I remember, the genesis of it, it was, I think, first of all, it was realizing that you and I have very wacky, goofy, tangential senses of humor. Our senses of humor are pretty similar in that sense. And I, I think it was just We'd have these random ideas for songs or dances or ASMR videos, or it was just the definition of tangential randomness. And I think there was no discussion ever of let's brand this, let's create an Instagram account or a Twitter account. I think it was just a very singular outlet for you and I to put goofy, comedic, or strange creative ideas that didn't necessarily align, again, with the worlds of food, nutrition, wellness, or eco-living. And, you know, it's interesting now because you talk about the acceptability of things. And I think it's something that I still kind of struggle with. And you know this, Whitney, because I do have a really random, goofy, crazy side with creating songs and skits. And you still, to this day, are encouraging me to get on TikTok. And I'm still resisting. Uh, that's another probably offshoot we can talk about maybe on this podcast. But I guess my point is that Bizargonauts was maybe our first attempt publicly to be like, hey, we're actually funny and goofy and weird. And maybe no one publicly has seen this side of us. And I remember it feeling very liberating in that sense, you know, of we have these creative impulses, improvisational creative impulses, and we need it. We need a place to put them. And I, I think that was to answer your question in a very long roundabout way. I think that was the only intention. I don't think we ever intended anyone to see the stuff. Yeah. And I also don't think that we are hiding it necessarily. And I think it's funny because the channel has, let's see, like 13 videos on it right now. And of course, we will link to this for anyone who's curious about it. It will be in the show notes at wellevator.com. That's W-E-L-L-E-V-A-T-R.com. If you haven't been there yet, 
There's a podcast section of our website, and we have notes on every single episode as well as transcripts so you can read it or search for specific parts of each episode to reference back to. And the Bazargonauts YouTube channel will be on there, especially because you probably have no idea how to spell it. That's the other thing. <laughs> like, why did we call it the Bazargonauts? I think it's, it was a take on Jason and the Argonauts. That is correct. Yeah. And also because we were walking in Marina del Rey to go to a restaurant and there's a free magazine on the west side of LA called The Argonaut. And then that sparked me going, oh, Jason and the Argonauts. But we're kind of bizarre. What about Bizargonauts? I remember very specifically the creative genesis of that name was us walking to that restaurant. Can't remember which restaurant it was, but one night in Marina del Rey when we both lived on the west side in Venice and saw that. And they were like, well, let's call it Bizargonauts. And you're like, yeah. And then there was really no, <laughs> there was no committee. I just like proposed it and you're like, cool. And then that was it. It was very simple. Right. And it's also looking back at things like this reminds me of different ways in which we can express ourselves and feel very free. And then also it brings up feelings of the times where I've not done things because I've been afraid of what other people were going to think. You know what I mean? I do. And looking back on this, it's almost like, wow, I can't believe that we posted some of these things, you know, and it's all very strange. (laughs) And I'm also just trying to remember, like, why did I even feel the need to share these things? But it makes a lot of sense for me. I think most of my life, I've captured things on camera. Before cell phones, I always had a camera. I mean, my dad had a camera, a video camera and and still camera growing up. And as soon as I was given permission to use those, I was using them to make videos as a kid. And that led me to going to film school. and, And it was just such a big passion of mine to create things. So Much of my life is documented, but very little of it is shared outside of close friends and family. And what's interesting with YouTube is we have this outlet to share all of these things. And now we have platforms like TikTok that really encourage you to share interesting moments of your life. And the same thing is true with Instagram. I remember before Instagram, I just had so many photos and wished that there was a place for me to organize them and to share them. And sometimes I would I would just create short blog posts based on my photos. And it always felt so, like so much work. And that's basically what Instagram is. It's sharing moments of your life and the little stories behind it or things that you would learn. And, and that's actually my whole career with Eco Vegan Gal started that way, where I felt like I was acquiring so much knowledge about veganism and the environment. I really wanted to share it with other people. And so... This place of sharing is such a huge part of our cultures right now, but I also reflect back on the many times that I've kind of censored myself because I didn't feel like other people would accept it or I I try to like keep it on the low because <laughs> I didn't want people to find it and judge me. And that's something I'm often working through is what do I want to share? Because I think it's an important balance. There's one side of me that thinks, well, I really shouldn't feel like I need to censor myself. I, I just want to be free. And I think the older that I get, and a lot of people experience this as they age, is just more of a desire to let go of their feelings about what other people will perceive them as and just be free to share themselves. But on the other hand, we also live in a time where people share pretty much everything. 
And I think that it does help for us to reflect on why we're sharing things. I mean, yesterday, as of the time that we're recording this, yesterday was May 30th, 2020. And it was a really intense time to be in Los Angeles and many parts of the country and and maybe even the world. There was a lot of protesting, demonstrations, riots, looting, violence. There was just a lot happening. And I live in a part of Los Angeles where it was very concentrated. And, And I actually felt very uncomfortable for most of the day as a result. But one thing that I saw online that I thought about sharing and actually didn't end up doing it was a post that somebody shared on Twitter that said, before posting a selfie or a picture of what you're eating for dinner or your friends by the pool, remember that in doing so, you are actively acknowledging that you have the freedom and time to care about other things outside of the urgent fight for racial justice. So be careful about what you're choosing to say in this space right now and ask yourself, could the real estate I'm about to occupy on the internet be better suited for something more helpful? I saw that too. Actually, a colleague of ours shared it. And yeah, I saw that yesterday as well, Whitney. And it's interesting because I've noticed my, not just during this time of peace protests and the looting and setting buildings on fire and all the things that we have been experiencing in LA the past few days, but really over the course of prior to this, the pandemic is my level of sensitivity to people showing off their Lamborghinis and their mansions and the poolside pictures and like popping champagne, like that, that kind of stuff that pops up in my feed. I've been noticing that I've been having a very visceral reaction to those things. And it continues to, basically, it's kind of like this. And this may be a judgment, and I'm okay owning it, but it's like, there's a part of that statement that resonates me because it's like, there are people being arrested, there are people dying, there are people having their rights challenged, there's violence, the National Guard isn't, I mean, it's an intense, intense time right now. And to be like, yo, what up, got my new Lambo, it just, there's a level of insensitivity I feel when I see things like that. Does that make sense? Absolutely. And it's it's interesting because I thought that too, right before we started recording, I was sharing with Jason how I drove through parts of Los Angeles about an hour or so ago. I was planning on going grocery shopping, but the grocery store had such a long line, which is, on a side note, a very frustrating result of COVID is having to wait in line outside on a hot day just to go in to get groceries. And I I remember thinking this yesterday, Jason, with you, how I yearn for the days where you could just swing by the grocery store, run in, grab something, and be in and out. Now, those days are not as common. Unless there's no line at the grocery store, you're probably going to be waiting in line for 10 to 20 minutes, maybe more, and then going in the grocery store and, and having to follow a line to, you know, sometimes these grocery stores have rules about the patterns in which you're walking through the store. I mean, it's like everything has shifted so much. And I know it's for our our health. Jason, you were sharing this too about looking at guitars yesterday. And it's like, yes, we know this is for the greater good, but I still have this nostalgia for how it was just a few months ago. And anyway, so I was driving around Los Angeles today. I didn't end up going to the grocery store. 
Instead, I ended up driving down some of these streets that were heavily impacted by the protests last night and the looting. I mean, a lot of mixed emotions came up for me because for the most part, I feel like they're very justified. You know, there's so much anger and we need to bring attention to the racism happening in this country. I'm actually, for the most part, very grateful for it. And it's nothing but my own self-interest that I feel uncomfortable and a little unsafe at times, right? But that's an unusual thing for me to feel. And I want to put myself aside for people that feel unsafe all the time. And I think it's really important for us to step back and think about that. And anyways, driving through the city, observing all the graffiti cleanup and people boarding up their windows and looking at businesses that I love and how their windows were broken and they may have been looted and all this stuff in this specific area. It's not even the whole city that I've seen. It's just a few streets. And I was driving past one specific area and and there was a restaurant open. And I think it was the first time that I've seen people dining in a restaurant in months. And I think this one in particular stands out because it's outdoor dining So you can see people just by driving by. It's not like they're inside. And I just felt like this judgment. How could you be dining at a fancy restaurant the day after our city was greatly affected by this? And it was mostly white people eating at a a very upscale restaurant that, that is expensive. It's known for that. And I found myself feeling a little like, irritated by that. And it's similar to how I feel sometimes about what people post online. And and I found myself thinking about this a lot yesterday because I all I wanted to do yesterday was find up-to-date information about what was happening. I was curious. I wanted to get involved. I wanted to stay up to date. I wanted to know what was happening down the street for me and if there was anything that I needed to do. And it's like still weeding through a lot of things just to try to find important information, still seeing posts from people that they may have scheduled ahead of time without knowing what was going to happen yesterday. And so their posts are going out and they're just not even aware that it might not be a good time to be sharing something like that. And the mixed feelings I had was one, I was like, hey, like I don't want to see that right now. I want to see the important news. (laughs) That's what I care about. And then other parts of me thinking, wow, like you're not very aware about what's going up right now and how it's affecting other people. And then there was a little part of me thinking, but maybe we need to see things like that right now. Maybe we need to feel like we can be distracted. And it's tough. It's tough to say. I mean, I heard from a friend today as well. I know I've said a bunch of things, Jason, for you to comment on. But one of our close friends, I checked in with her today because she was right in the heart of the protesting. And her building was like maybe a block, block and a half from heavy tear gassing and looting and and police action. I mean, there were fires happening and there was so much within a few blocks of where she lives. And she actually decided to go to a different friend's house because she didn't feel safe at her home by herself and probably wouldn't have gotten much sleep either because it was so loud, just the helicopters and the sirens. And there's just so much intensity going on. And I, I checked in with her today and she said, I really just want to check out of reality today. I really just want to like go do something else and not think about this and not talk about it. 
And that's very relatable too. It's very important for us to be aware. It's very important for us to pay attention and not ignore things because we can't. It's not fair. And I don't think we can ever fully ignore things because eventually things will come to the surface whether we want them to or not. But there is a human desire to escape reality sometimes. And I think maybe that's why some people go to the fancy restaurants or go and post things online that have nothing to do with what's going on in the world at the time. It's like they just want to have a break from it all. Yeah. And I think that there is there's time, place, and space for that. And I'm certainly not the arbiter of what's right or what's wrong or appropriate or inappropriate. But much like you, Whitney, I don't know. If I get the impression, and I want to use that word because it doesn't mean an absolute, but if I get the impression that somebody is flaunting their privilege right now, it feels really awful to observe that. And if I examine why does that feel awful to see people flaunting or exerting their privilege in this moment with everything that's going on, it's like, oh, is am I having a reaction because I wish I had what they had? No, it's not that. It's almost like me being triggered by their perceived lack of sensitivity and tact of like, everything's going on in the world. And like, you're talking about your new brand new Louis Vuitton luggage and your Lamborghini and the fancy restaurant you ate at? Like, where's your sensitivity? Where's your sense of tact? Where's your sense of sympathy or empathy for what's happening? You know, it's like, yeah, everything's crazy going on. I just went and did some retail therapy. And yeah, maybe I do sound judgmental. And that's okay. I'm, uh, again, I said before, I'm going to own it. But there's something deep inside of me that's like, really? That's what you can contribute right now. And I hear what you're saying about the level of distraction and checking out of reality. But I just think there's a time, place, and space for that. And if you, dear listener, have been in a, a city or a, a part of these peaceful protests, these actions that are being taken, and you're seeing what's happening, I think for someone who's really emotionally invested in this and who is standing for rights, Whitney, and who's standing for progress and who's standing for people of color in asserting their rights and their power and being treated with res- just being treated like a human then to me, it's like, how out of touch does a person have to be to be like, here's my fancy car, my fancy luggage, my fancy, how out of touch with reality does a person have to be? And that's the thing that, that I think about. And to me, it's just like, I don't know, it's, it's just concerning in the human psyche. And it doesn't mean that I'm going on a kind of a long rant here, but it doesn't mean that we're compelling you to join the struggle or quote, be on our side or, or post things that are like, in alignment with the movement. To me, it's just I don't know. I don't understand a person's mind that would feel compelled to post that kind of materialistic privileged bullshit right now. Like, I don't understand why people would want to do that. And I guess to me too, it's my higher level concern in all of this is the end game, right? And I want to comment on it because you, you gave me a lot to chew on. You gave me a lot to chomp on right now is that I can't understand what it is like to fear for my life when I go for a jog or I go out on, on walk my dog at night or get pulled over by a police officer. I have no idea what that feels like, right? So there's no possible way for me to understand what it is like to be under that threat and that kind of fear all the time. But what I do know in my heart is that people are deserving of humanity and protection and basic respect and basic rights in this country. And I understand, as you eloquently stated, Whitney, why people are so full of rage and anger and just fed up. But I think there's a way to constructively channel that energy because my fear and my concern wit is that most of the videos I saw last night of cop cars being lit on fire 
the grove burning, the looting of the Beverly Center, the more, quote, violent parts of that. Because if I look at the peaceful protests, it looked like a very mixed crowd of people, right? And, and I know that talking to friends that were in that, that it was very peaceful, and then things escalated very quickly. But if I look at, and this is not an absolute statement, but the videos that I saw of people standing on burning cop cars, smashing windows, it was mostly white people doing those actions. My fear, my concern is that this is going to be blamed on people of color, and they're going to take the brunt of this, and people aren't going to look with their eyes open to see what's actually happening and who was actually doing most of the violent acts. And that's the most concerning part to me is I fear that through what's going on right now around our country, it's going to give the powers that be more leverage to respond with violent action toward us collectively, the people that are standing up for this. That's my concern is that on a spiritual level, on an energetic level, violence creates more violence. And I'm not judging anyone's tactics. I guess in a roundabout way, though, I'm saying that if we go the route of destruction and pillaging and violence and guns, we are giving them literal and figurative ammunition to respond in extremely violent ways. And I don't know that that's the goal here. That's the biggest concern that I have with all this, with what's happening right now. It's a really complex matter. And we don't know what's going to happen. And we don't know exactly what the government is thinking or how the police force, National Guard, all of these different people that are getting involved or what they're thinking. And I think there's a lot of ignorance. And I am willing to say that I feel ignorant about this too. I mean, first of all, as we've talked about in another episode about cultural appropriation, there's only so much that I can understand as a white woman that's grown up in a very privileged environment. And so a, I can't even really begin to understand a lot of this. I, I can have compassion. I think that's what I'm focused on right now is that there's a lot of intense emotion happening and people are fed up because of what's been happening in the world and the lack of justice. And I do think that things need to change. And it's tough to see things get destroyed. But a lot of people have made great points about how our property is nowhere near as valuable as human lives. And we see this happen when there's a natural disaster. It's like, oh, I'm just grateful to be alive. Who cares about my stuff? <laughs> Who cares that my house burned down? Like, As long as I'm alive and my loved ones are alive, that's all that matters. And yet, a lot of people are reacting with horror over what's happened to our city. And I can tell you that after driving around for half an hour or so, there is a lot of destruction, but not that much. You know, like these buildings can be cleaned up. The graffiti can be painted over or washed off and the windows can be repaired. And a lot of these businesses have insurance for things like this. So that can easily be resolved and a life cannot be taken back. And I think that a lot has been tried to fix things and that hasn't worked. And so it's just like, well, we got to try something else. I mean, to me, that's like the simplest way to view all of this. And I, I think tying back into part of the theme of this episode, which is what do we post online and what don't we post? When do we post it? What do we share? How do we share it? Yeah. I mean, to answer that question from my own experience with like if I see something and I feel that it accurately encapsulates my level of awareness and compassion, then I want to I share those things, right? So this morning, 
I saw something that our friend Robert Cheek, who was a previous guest here on the podcast, he he posted. He's been posting some really compelling, thought-provoking content. And we will link to his episode in the show notes as well at wellevator.com. Robert posted a quote from a gentleman named Scott Woods. And in terms of what to do, like how do we address the roots of all of this? This quote to me was one of the most eloquent and thought-provoking things I've yet read. And the quote from Scott Woods says, the problem is that white people see racism as conscious hate, where racism is bigger than that. Racism is a complex system of social and political levers and pulleys set up generations ago to continue working on the behalf of white people at other people's expense, whether whites know it or not. Racism is an insidious cultural disease. It is so insidious that it doesn't care if you are a white person who likes black people. It's going to find a way to infect how you deal with people who don't look like you. Yes, racism like hate, but hate is just one manifestation. Privilege is another. Access is another. Ignorance is another. And apathy is another. And so on. So while I agree with people who say no one is born racist, it remains a powerful system that we're immediately born into. It's like being born into air. You take it in as soon as you breathe. It's not a cold that you get over. There's no anti-racist certification class. It's a set of socioeconomic traps and cultural values that are fired up every time we interact with the world. It's a thing you have to keep scooping out of the boat of your life to keep from drowning in it. I know it's hard work, but it's the price you pay for owning everything. Now, that could be interpreted as like, wow, okay, let me examine if I have any racist tendencies or things that I'm not aware of. But I think the thing that hits me is that it's a a set of values. And as he, Scott Wood, so brilliantly detailed, a set of socioeconomic conditions and ways that society's been set up from a legal perspective, from a cultural perspective, from a perspective of privilege, the things we keep hearing about. And the question that I come back to, Whitney, in all of this is, how do we collectively and especially you and I as white people who have a lot of friends of color, like how do we address the roots of how imbalanced the system is? Like, how do we get to the roots of the system, pull the weeds out, and help to create something new that actually honors and respects people and gives a level playing field? I don't know the answer to that. But I think when I read that, it's not about passing a law or two, right? It's not about that. It's like, that to me is on the level of symptom, not causality. So the question I go back to, and I want to learn and interact with people so I can understand this more is, how do we get to the root cause of this shit? And how do we reboot the system? And if it is rebooting the system, how do we destroy the old system and recreate a new one? That's kind of where my mind is at with all this. Well, I think the trouble is that similar to COVID in a lot of ways, it's not like there's a definitive answer to solving this. (laughs) A lot of this we're still figuring out, even though racism has been an issue for a long time it is still different in the context of today, right? And I think that there's so much that A, has to has to do with the way that you were brought up and the education that you have. And that really shapes your perspective on things and your experience of a culture and who's around you. And, you know, in a lot of ways, we're working through so much in our family lines, like relatives that might be racist around you. And you have to work really hard to distance yourself from that, right? It's like, I think that there is racism in my family. It's taken a lot of awareness of myself in order to not have that same mindset. 
But then I'm working against how I was raised and the, the town I grew up in and the college I went to and the people that I'm surrounded by and my experiences and all of that. So we're all collectively bringing our own experiences and trying to understand something that is very complex. And so it, it, I guess like from my perspective, it, it's not a simple thing. And one thing that really resonated with me yesterday was that right now, I feel more comfortable listening instead of speaking. Because, I mean, this is more of a tendency of who I am as a person. I, I tend to be cautious and I like to do my research and I like to try to grok and comprehend something as, as much as I possibly can before acting on it. But that's not always the answer, too, because then there's a lot of posts going around saying like silence is the same as violence. And so it's like, I don't want to be silent, but I also don't want to say anything out of ignorance. And so it's that's a, a tough thing, too, especially when it comes to posting online. I almost posted that quote I read earlier because it really resonated with me. And then I thought, hmm, am I posting this? I, I think it the reason I hesitated was I wasn't fully clear on what my motivations were. And this actually reminds me of something that's been trending on the news for the past 12 hours or so is Jake Paul, the YouTuber. There's footage of him in the middle of a mall that was being looted last night. And people are really outraged after seeing that. And so he had to come out with a statement to explain what he was doing there because people thought like, is he looting? Why is he documenting this? Is this just for his own gain? And, and there was just like a lot of outrage. And he is basically saying that he was doing his part to peacefully protest. And then he was trying to document what he was seeing in an effort to share the experience and bring more attention to it. And there's part of me that's like, maybe that's true. But then there's another part of me thinking, I don't know if I believe him <laughs> because it seems like Jake Paul does a lot of things for his ego and does a lot of things to make money, to capitalize on it. And so it's tricky because how can we ever really know his motivations? We, we won't know. I mean, it's just like anything else. You can go through the legal system and have a jury try to judge you and you have a lawyer defending you and you have a lawyer against you. And it's like, even in the legal system, it's really tough to know the truth of a situation. And so in a way, it's like, who are we to judge other people's actions? We don't know their motivations, even if they try to tell us what their motivations are. We just can't possibly understand it because people can lie or they can tell the truth and we perceive them as lies. So I guess it's a lot of the times in these scenarios, I just feel more comfortable observing and listening because I don't want to take an action or say something that might not be true. But on the same hand, based on what I just said, if I'm always waiting for the truth, I may never take action because I may never actually know the truth. And the truth is all a matter of perception. <laughs> so it's like, I guess I might as well just do what I think is best in the moment. So it's confusing to me, but I, I think I'm starting to lean more towards the latter. And I'm starting to say, I just need to find the courage to say things that I'm feeling and trust that I'm doing my very best. And just like in general, letting go of how people perceive me because I can't control how they perceive me. 
Yeah, no, you, and you, you can't. And to your point, Whitney, your level of awareness, your level of understanding and your version of your truth in the moment, that's all we ever have. And I think the one thing that I'm being very mindful of is contributing to the conversation, listening, being extremely humble so that I can learn because I'm very ignorant in terms of, I feel like in our wheelhouse of activism, if you will, I have been so focused on animal rights and ecological rights and those kind of things for so many years that to be honest, other than sort of an observer's mentality, I haven't been directly involved in racial justice or that part of activism. Even though I've always felt a deep amount of compassion, especially for the level of violence and loss and, and rights being taken away and the oppression, but I've never really dove into that part of activism per se, you know? And so I feel like right now, just to kind of echo back what you said, I don't want to speak out of a place of like I ought to speak up, but speak from a place where I'm actually speaking with an open heart and speaking words of truth, you know, where I look at a caption or I look at a post and can read it back to myself and say, is this really coming from me wanting to contribute to moving the conversation forward to me? declaring my openness and wanting to learn more and wanting to contribute and move this forward and and stand with my brothers and sisters in this cause, right? Versus I saw a lot of people tagging yesterday. There was a tag going around where it said something like, hey, to all my mindfulness, meditation, health, wellness, sustainability practitioners, we better hear from you right now. Don't be sitting on the sidelines all silent and shit. And I was like, okay, I understand why someone would, and it was getting passed around. I saw it yesterday on Instagram, but it's like, so now, now what you're trying to shame people into speaking up. But then if you do that and they speak up, is it authentic? Like to me, I would almost like, I want the, the posts that I share in the way that I want to comment on this. Cause I'm going to keep commenting on it. It needs to come from my own level of authentic experience in my heart. Not because someone has compelled me or shamed me into speaking up. Right. Does that make sense? Exactly. Yes, 100%. And that's why I ended up not posting because I felt like I was just trying to say something to say something. And I'm like, I, I just... Exactly. That doesn't feel right to me either. And, you know, I even thought about going down to the protest and I'm like, I don't know, like, am I just going to go or am I going because I feel moved to go? And that is really tricky. And it's tough because there's this feeling of I don't want to be perceived by other people as being silent and not taking action and being part of the problem. But you know what? In my heart, I know that I'm not trying to contribute to the problem. I know I'm not being silent because I'm trying to be a violent person through my silence. I, I know that I'm not trying to be on the sidelines so that I don't take action. It, it's like, I think we also have to own our own reasonings. And if we feel like we're in alignment with ourselves, and what we believe in. I don't know if it matters if we, I mean, I'm questioning even saying this, but I'll, I'll just finish my sentence here, is that is speaking up simply just to show other people something? Are we doing something just to prove ourselves? Versus like yesterday, I spent the day, I put everything on hold. You know, I had a whole plan for my day. And once the protest started happening and I was seeing what was going on in this city, I spent the entire day educating myself and learning. I've never spent, well, I shouldn't say never, but I haven't spent this much time on Twitter in many years, maybe never. 
just reading through all the different perspectives. And I think it was my aim to just understand what was going on and just really listening to different people's perspectives and even going on to Trump's Twitter account, which speaking of silence, I was incredibly frustrated that he wasn't sharing more. I'm like, of all days, (laughs) I never read his tweets, but I just wanted to know what he thought in the moment. And he only posted a few times and he was very focused on what was going on with NASA and all things aside, like I would have loved to spend the day paying attention to the SpaceX launch and what Elon Musk was doing. Like that sounds fun to me. But that was not a priority to me whatsoever yesterday. And it was tough to see some people not taking a stand, you know? So I understand that perspective too, Jason, is like, I think a lot of us are looking to each other to see our perspectives. But you know what I did instead is I talked to my friends and I reached out to them and I said, hey, like, how are you feeling and what are you doing? And that is actually something that I've come across a lot in my research about how to figure out what you believe and the finding sources of information is really to reach out to your community. And I don't need to reach out to my community publicly. I can reach out to my community privately. I don't need to display to other people my thoughts all the time. But just because I'm not sharing my thoughts publicly doesn't mean that I'm having them privately. You know what I mean? And and you know what? On that point too... I actually felt a little annoyed seeing selfies at the protest. I'm like, why are you posting a picture of yourself at the protest? Like, are you doing that to prove that you care? Did you do your hair and makeup before going to a protest? I mean, again, I'm trying not to be judgmental. And I think maybe the the comment on hair and makeup is a bit judgmental. But it's like, I don't need to get all like polished to go protest something. Like, why can't we just go as we are? and witness it. Why do we need to document and prove it to other people that we're doing something? I mean, I think to answer that question from my perspective, I I do see that if we're all posting about this, our voices can be heard because it's louder, right? But I guess the question is, are we posting for that reason or are we posting to be acknowledged? Are we posting to prove to other people something? I think it depends on what the content is that we're posting. I really do. And I reflect on my own experience, if I may, in terms of capturing video content and social media protests, because in the last few years, I went to several of the Standing Rock protests when they were doing the the pipe, the oil pipeline at Standing Rock, and also went to the Women's March after Trump was elected. And in those contexts, I remember posting because my intention was I wanted to capture some of the speakers and what they were saying and their level of eloquence in hopes of raising awareness that if if anyone wasn't at the protest, right, that they could see the speakers, they could see the environment and maybe somehow think, okay, how can I get involved? How can I contribute to this even though I'm not physically there? Like I remember the things that that I were posting very clearly my my mind was like, what pieces of content can I capture to try and raise awareness or inspire people to do something, right? But to me, I think it goes back to a question of intent. And are people even aware are they even consciously aware of why they're doing things? And again, I think this goes back to, okay, what is your intention? Why are you posting what you post on social? Why are you showing up to a protest? Are you willing to have like radically honest conversations with people that are affected in different ways? Like, you know, are you showing up to a protest and actually going there to gain knowledge and expand and grow your awareness of this? 
or are you showing up because you want to loot Nordstrom's? I mean, I, I think intent is one of the most important things we need to focus on in this whole conversation is why do you feel the need to capture, post, do a selfie, go to a protest? What, Like you said, is it that you want to raise awareness, your own awareness, the awareness of your followers and your fans? Is it you want to have a, a level of solidarity with people that are different than you, people of color? people of different races, or is it, you know, like I did my part, everyone look, 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 see, I did my part because that's very ego. And we need to, we need to be honest, I think with all of ourselves of like, what is motivating what we do? Is it ego? Is it look, 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 I'm a good person. I did why I did something. People celebrate me. Or is it that you actually want to create change and you want to create contribution? I think for all of us, we need to get radically aware of what that is for each and every one of us. We do. Yeah. And I, in this moment, don't really have a full answer. And that's, part of why I want to continue to listen. I actually really was enjoying some TikToks that Lizzo was posting about this, and she was trying to help white people better understand what was going on. And I think that that's part of my feeling, too, is that we don't need to hear from more white people right now. I think we really need to hear from people of color. I I want to hear from them. I've heard enough from white people at the moment, you know? And I want to understand how this is affecting those people directly because those are the voices that I haven't heard loudly enough and often enough. And those are the perspectives I'm most interested in. And I guess that's the other feeling is like, I guess it's not that I'm, I'm not trying to be an ally. It's that I don't know if it's my turn to speak. Yeah. And I think that's part of this too is like if everybody's shouting at once, how do you hear anything? Like, why can't we take turns and really listen to somebody and give them the respect and the time that they deserve? That to me is equality. And when I look at some of the looting, you know, we we can have all these different opinions on it. Is that are people looting because they're opportunists? Are they just thinking, wow, like this is my chance to steal something and I'm so resentful and I deserve it and I've been through enough. So it's okay for me to steal from other businesses. And you know, I saw this heartbreaking video. I don't, I don't know where it was. And I, I assume that it was from the past few days, but I'm not 100% sure. But it was this black man in a city. I'd just be willing to guess it was Minneapolis. But again, I, I wasn't able to see from the source. And he was just yelling in the middle of the street. He's like, why are you destroying my business? I am one of you. And I came from poverty to start this business. Why are you doing this to me? And I saw this in Los Angeles too, is there were signs up. Actually, one of the other signs that tugged at my heartstring was in kind of the streets that were heavily affected in Los Angeles last night. There was a home for the elderly. It was like, I don't know if it's a hospital or a living facility. And they put up signs in their window. There's elderly sick people here. Please do not break our windows. Or there were other signs like this business is owned by people of color. You know, and they felt like they had to put these badges up, like, please don't target us. We're one of you. And it's heartbreaking that they had to say that, you know, <laughs> to protect themselves. But then it makes you think, like, in a way, are they saying, like, don't break into us, break into the people next door because they're owned by white people. <sighs> it's a rough time. It's really rough. And, and I guess part of my point bringing that up is like, I want to have compassion for everybody. I have compassion for the cops because, yeah, a lot of cops are corrupt and there's a big issue with them. And I I get it. Like, I mean, as much as I possibly can in this moment, but I understand 
to an extent the violence that's going on, but it's like, what about the people that are good cops? Like they're out there risking their lives and and they're out there doing things that maybe they don't really want to be doing, but they have to do it in order to protect the city. I mean, it's tough for everybody. It's it's tough for the residents. It's tough for the small business owners. And I'm sure it's even tough for the big business owners and their employees that feel like their lives are at stake. And I mean, it ultimately is tough for everybody, but we need to take the stance of giving the attention to people that have been in a pla- a lack of justice for all this time. You know, it's like there was also a really great post. I think it was on TikTok about how yeah, all lives do matter, but right now we need to put the attention on black lives because we haven't been giving them equality. This is true. And so I guess that that's just my my standpoint in this moment. And I may change by the time this episode comes out, you know. So I think that's that's the tough thing about sharing these things on a podcast is that just because we said something and in this moment as we're recording doesn't mean that that'll shift. And my feelings are constantly shifting. And I think that's just part of life. My feelings, my perspective are not set in stone. Every day I'm learning something new. I'm committed to learning. I love learning. I love trying to understand things. I enjoy pushing myself outside of my comfort zone and noticing where I am sitting in comfort and trying to understand my own motives and trying not to judge other people because I can make all these assumptions and and not truly understand why somebody posts something online. It's a complex issue. And I think I have a instinct to judge people and think like they're just doing that to get validation. You know, like that tends to be something that comes up for me a lot or they're just selfish. They're in their ego. But I don't know that. And maybe that's partially true, but Maybe there's another reason there. We just don't know who somebody is. And I think it feels good. It feels comfortable to judge somebody. I mean, going back to Jake Paul, I don't agree with all the people that are tearing him apart on Twitter. (laughs) You know what I mean? Like, But maybe that serves a purpose. Maybe he needs to check his ego and, and step back. Maybe people are fed up with a young, rich white boy doing whatever he wants. You know, like maybe it's just like everything else that's happening right now where he needs to be put in his place for a little while, even though he deserves compassion and love. There's a reason that there's a lot of resentment towards him. So I don't necessarily agree with saying cruel things to other people or as we talked about cancel culture. I don't want to hop in that bandwagon, but there's part of me that can really relate to it. It's tough to see that sort of privilege and ignorance as well. I think for me, you know, Wit, I go back to the point of why people of color are angry and why they're demanding rights and safety. And I think it's love. You know what I'm saying? When I say love, I, I mean, in a very real way, the basic fundamental point of a mother fearing for her husband's life the men in her family, her child. Like I've been looking at so many interviews and reading so many articles of black women talking about the constant fear of the men that they love being subjected to violence, oppression, and death. And that that is a constant daily concern for some people, for a lot of people. You know, to think about that reality, like I don't know what that's like. 
But if I go into that space as a highly sensitive emotional person, I can't imagine the pain of having that being in your subconscious all the time. When you know your son or your husband goes out to get groceries, goes for a drive, goes for a run, whatever it is, you know, and and I remember in college, my first year of college when I was 18, I read a book called Invisible Man by Ralph Ellison, which talked a lot about racism and systemic racism. And it was one of the first opportunities I remember of starting to understand what that conversation was about. And one of the quotes that's kind of apropos of what I'm saying about love, the foundation of this desire for equal rights and safety and, and being treated as a human being is love. There's a quote from that book, the protagonist in this book that Ralph Ellison talks about. And the quote is, I denounce because through implicated and partial responsibility, I have been hurt to the point of abysmal pain, hurt to the point of invisibility. And I defend because in spite of it all, I find that I love. And I read that quote, and I remember reading that book, and it like it gives me chills, right? Because here are people that have been bludgeoned and killed and oppressed and hung and systemically annihilated for hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of years. And yet, I believe in my heart that the purpose of the protests and the standing up and the rage and the anger at the heart of it is love. At the heart of it is love. That why can't my son my daughter, my husband, the people that I love feel safe in their own skin when they leave the house, when they go into the world? Why do we have to worry about our our lives when we leave? Like, again, I can't relate to what that feeling is like, but I have the empathy and compassion to say, (laughs) you deserve not just that basic right of protection from the government and the police, but like as a human being, the freedom to experience life as you want without threat of oppression or death. Like that to me, that to me is like a basic human right, you know? And I guess that's the thing like in my heart, where my heart hurts right now is that there are groups of people on this planet that don't even have that basic protection, that basic sense of safety when they go into the world. And that is absolutely heartbreaking. It's heartbreaking beyond, you know? And I guess in summary, my perspective wit is like, when I speak, I hope that I speak from love. When I speak, I hope that I can speak with an openness so I can learn more. When I speak, I hope that I can be open to doing better and contributing positivity to this conversation instead of just contributing because I feel like I need to say something. But remembering that the core of why people are standing up and why they're so angry and so full of rage is because they just want the freedom to be in this world as they are. And if I anchor in that and remember that, for some reason that makes me feel... I don't know, anchored in love like that, it just gives me more impetus to like do more and do something to contribute positivity to the conversation. That's all. This conversation is inspiring me to spend some more time reflecting on on what I want to say and when and why. And I think that's important for me is to not have a knee-jerk reaction. I mean, it's also part of my personality. I don't like to be pressured into doing things. (laughs) It's like when you're at an event and they they have the round table where everybody is like encouraged to talk <laughs> and you weren't prepared to talk. So you don't really know what you want to say. And, and I'm one of those people that I don't really like to say something until I've thought about what I want to say. And sometimes I don't have that option. Sometimes I'm, I'm pressured or encouraged into doing something or saying something that I don't feel prepared to do. And I have a deep fear of saying the wrong thing. That has played a role in my life 
for a while. And, and my coping mechanism is to reflect on things and to research things so that I can formulate what I want to say. And I think what I want to push myself to do is, is to tap more into myself. And I, I think raising my self-awareness so that I am able to speak from the heart without letting fear get in the way. And that's going to be my focus today is how to articulate that and how not only to articulate it today, but how can I set up like a system for myself so that I can articulate things a little bit faster? Because I think it really is a balance. It gets to the point and maybe I'm just in the stage of my life right now. But I also, I don't know, going back, I think, as I said, (laughs) I've been like this for most, if not all of my life is some people call it like shyness or introversion or whatever it is. But I'm rarely the first person to speak up because I like to listen to what other people have to say first. <laughs> that really has helped me. But I, I also feel like that's my comfort zone. And the whole point of this podcast is encouraging people and ourselves to get outside of our comfort zone and to reexamine ourselves. And sometimes we have to make decisions on the fly. We don't always have the luxury of time. And right now there's a lot of urgency and we need the collective voice. So that's my work is really doing some deep reflection on how I can contribute positively from my heart and tap into the deeper motivations for things and find that balance of speaking up but not speaking just because I feel pressured or speaking because I want to feel validated and have other people know that I have something to say about it. And I also feel like there isn't much harm in sharing something else. You know, like you said with Robert Cheek, it doesn't have to be your words. You can share a quote. You can share somebody else's words. And I think actually in a way that is giving them more of a platform too, by retweeting something, resharing it, posting it on your Instagram story, sharing it on Facebook. And I personally like to find one thing to share. I don't want to bombard people. But uh, I guess it's if you want to curate a number of things that can work well too. And you know what? I think lastly, the reflecting back on why I didn't post yesterday, the only thing that really resonated with me was that quote I read earlier. And I think I didn't post it because I didn't want to shame anybody. I didn't want anyone to feel like I was saying, how dare you share a picture of yourself? And like I feel conflicted because... Yeah, part of me feels like it's a little vain to post a picture of yourself at a protest. But maybe you're doing that to show other people like, hey, I'm here. Why aren't you here? Or I'm here. And this is the action that I'm taking. I mean, I don't know if it's vanity or not. It's hard to say. So who am I to judge somebody's actions? <laughs> right? So I think that that was the reason I didn't post yesterday is because the one thing that really hit home for me was that quote. But I I think that part of the delicate act here is like, I don't want to take sides. Even though right now I am more on the side of people who have been suffering, if I'm going to take a side, it's going to be for them. But ultimately, I really wish that there would be more unity and equality. And so we wouldn't have to take sides. And I I want to show compassion for everybody and and not be judgmental of, of their actions unless they're harming somebody else. Yeah, it's tricky, right? Because there's a lot of dimensions to this. I mean, I honestly feel with that having some friends and colleagues of ours that are more involved in this movement would be beneficial, like in an episode very soon, like 
through this conversation with you and the exploration of everything that's been happening the last week, I really feel like having a different perspective of someone who's been working with civil rights and rights for people of color and, and in the trenches, like exploring having that perspective on this podcast feels super compelling because I certainly want to learn more and expand myself as do you from our limited perspectives, but hearts full of compassion and hearts full of a desire to grow and listen. So I'm putting that out there that I would like to invite someone on with that voice and that perspective to expand us. So did not know that this episode was going to go from that direction, from a strange comedy YouTube channel to this conversation, but that's what's up in the world right now. And we want to thank you, dear listener, for being on this podcast with us, being on this journey, because we never know where any of the episodes are going to lead to. And certainly this is not the end of this conversation per se. It's just our current thoughts and feelings on everything that is going on in a very intense and kaleidoscopic and challenging conversation that is happening in our society right now, but a very necessary one ultimately. So for any of the resources, the books, the authors, the articles, the YouTube videos that we mentioned in this episode, you can go to wellevator.com. It's W-E-L-L-E-V-A-T-R.com in the show notes section. You can find all of those resources and links to all of our previous episodes here on This Might Get Uncomfortable. We also have a lot of free resources on our website and several courses to help you work on your mental health and emotional wellness. And right now, that seems to be more important than ever with everything else that is going on in our world. So please take advantage of those free downloads and those courses. And you can follow us on all of the social media platforms, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, Pinterest, at Wellevator. And if you ever want to reach us directly, we always love hearing from you. Our email is hello at Wellevator.com. Until next time, Wit, thanks for diving deep as we explore all the twists and turns of this crazy existence. And thanks again to you, dear listener, for being on the ride with us. And we will see you soon for another episode. Thanks so much. Thanks for listening and getting out of your comfort zone with us today. For show notes and more high-performance resources to help you thrive, go to wellevator.com. That's W-E-L-L-E-V-A-T-R.com.